uh, I believe you guys will really enjoy this sermon. But Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the word of the Lord tonight. Lord, we love your precious Holy Spirit. We love worship. Uh, we love being in the presence of the Lord. But Lord, we also were so thankful for the word of God. And as I think about this many times, where would we be today without the word of God? We'd be in total deception, confusion. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And as we pray tonight and we come through the name of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb, Lord, we bless you. You are so awesome and worthy of praise. But we ask you that the heavens will be really open, that your glory will be present very strongly during this. We ask the Holy Spirit to come and empower this time in the word. Lord, I ask that even now by your precious Holy Spirit to move upon every one of us that's going to be listening tonight, that's, that whether you're driving down the road or wherever you're at, that your Holy Spirit, Father, move upon every one of us and help us to give you our best ear, our full attention, our focus, to get locked in, to be good, fertile soil. How many times do we read in the Word things like they had eyes, but they couldn't see, ears they couldn't hear? Lord, help us by the Spirit of God to be able to see what we couldn't see, to be able to hear what we couldn't hear, that our minds can understand maybe what we couldn't have before, but the Holy Spirit opens our minds to understand the Word. And Lord, help us tonight to get locked in and I ask you to speak through me. Every, everything that you want spoken tonight under a mighty anointing, let it be as living seeds of truth sown into good soil of people's hearts and lives and families. And let the Holy Spirit just water those seeds of truth, water the word of God in us, that it will take root, it will grow, produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. And Lord, I pray there'll be a washing of the water of the word, that there'll be light of truth. I mean, knows God's word is the light. Lord, let your light shine and dispel all the darkness, all the lies, all the deception, and purge that out and bring revelation. Let your word be a hammer that's going to break through every stronghold. And Lord, let everything be accomplished in through so your will to be done. Lord, we stand on the promise. Your word will not return void, but go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. But we also know the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So we all agree together. We bind up anything of the devil right now that would try to hinder this word in Jesus' name. We command you to back off right now. Lord, let your angels just clear all that away. Let this go forth in power and accomplish what you want it to. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm continuing this blood and fire series. So last week we dealt with the clothing of power. Man, it felt like in the altar time, just a fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost and with fire. And tonight I believe God's also going to move really powerfully. But last week we dealt more with the aspect of the empowerment, okay? This week I want to deal a little bit differently. I want to cover a few different things, but ultimately... I want to get to the glory atmosphere that God wants in our midst. How many appreciate the presence of God? But God's manifest presence, even though the Bible says God's everywhere, we know that he is everywhere, that he knows all things, but God's manifest presence is not everywhere. And we want God's manifest presence, his glory, in our midst. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about tonight, but I'm going to cover several different things before I get to that. So I just want to say up front something that God laid on my heart that the ministry of the Holy Spirit, see we have right now the ministry of the Word of God. This is going out to teach and instruct where you learn things, you, you, know, you, you get instruction through the Word. And this is what's happening right now in the service is the preaching of the Word, the ministry of the Word. 
When we get done with the ministry of the word, we go into the altar time, and it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You see, in the Holy Spirit, he can do things that we could never do in a million years. I've known people, without exaggeration, that have had years of different things, years of counseling, years of whatever therapy, years of, of, of drugs that were supposed to help their mind or whatever, that in one altar service got prayer, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit did in one altar service what years of that other could never do. And that's the truth. I've seen that many times. So when we get into the altar time, it's extremely important that we receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so I encourage you to get prayer. And I know that, that just about everybody's really hungry, but get prayer. And then when God touches you, if you go out under the power, which sometimes people do, don't be quick to get up. Some people... Their, their detention span in the day and age we live, it's like everything is like a microwave mentality, you know, quick and easy or whatever. But God hasn't changed, and sometimes it takes some time. I just encourage people to soak in what God's doing for a while. Don't just rush up off the floor. Let the Holy Spirit, he's put you there on his operating table. Amen? <laughs> and let him do what he needs to do, okay? So just soak in that and receive. And it's such a powerful thing. I've heard so many testimonies down through the years of God doing amazing things by his spirit. I've seen children mightily touched. I've seen uh, all ages, but I've seen just people's whole lives transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right. So with that in mind, I'm going to cover tonight a bunch of threes. In the Bible, three, we know the triune God, okay, Father, Son, and Spirit. But three speaks a lot of resurrection in the Bible. But I want to cover a lot of different threes tonight, and you'll see where I'm going with this, but it's important because there's a lot of things I'm going to cover that a lot of times people are not being taught. We're living in a time where it seems like a lot of sermons right now for the last 10 years or so have been too focused on the here and now like having a good life, successful life here and now. And there's nothing wrong with doing well in life. I believe in that actually, but that's not the focus. Our focus needs to be on living for eternity, not just for the here and now. And so anyway, there's a lot of these things in here I'm going to cover that I think are going to help kind of break through a lot of religion and traditions of men. Did you know that's really the main thing Jesus came up against was a religious spirit and the traditions of men where people add to the word of God and they take away from it. Did y'all hear what I just said? They add to it their pet doctrines. They take away from the word. They kind of twist it into their little group, of whether it's a denomination or whatever, they kind of twist it to fit their man's theology of what they want to believe and it becomes like a stronghold see the bible talks about in corinthians that there's mental strongholds and these become belief systems in whole groups of people 
that travel down from parent to child, and it's like this stronghold of deception that tremendously hinder people. It, and sometimes it's a stronghold that's so serious that it's sending many people to hell that don't have to go there. And I'm going to show you what I mean here in just a moment. But I believe some of these things I'm going to share tonight is going to kind of pierce through some of these traditions of men. And I encourage you to take off the whatever denominational, whatever type of religious glasses that you've had on from your past, whatever you came out of, to take that off and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you the pure word of God. You know, there was a guy one time driving down the road and his wife had said, said something about the white flowers and he began to argue with her and say they're tan. And she was on it. She was laughing. She's saying, honey, they're white. And he said, I'm telling you they're tan. Quit arguing with me anyway. She was laughing. She said, take off your sunglasses. You see, he was seeing it a certain way. It was tainted. It was tinted. And that's a lot of times the way people see the word because they got into a certain group that they were taught a certain way and it has literally distorted their vision. When they read the word, they see things differently because they've been in traditions of men and religious, and, it, and it's not a good thing. So I encourage you just to, with a fresh look at the word, ask the Holy Spirit, teach me the pure word. Get out of me every doctrine, every tradition, everything that's not of God. It's of man, and it's not God. Get that out of me. Amen? All right, so with that in mind... There's three basic baptisms that are mentioned in the Word of God. The first one is the baptism into the body of Christ, which can be called salvation experience, or I like to say a new birth. We've got to be born again. In Acts chapter 19, verse 4, Paul said this. Now, he had just entered a city. I'm going to show you something. He had just entered into the Ephesus area. He was going into this city. And he comes across a group of people. And this is what Paul said. They, they asked him, that Paul asked him, hey, have you received the Spirit since you believed? And they said, man, we don't even know if there is a Holy Spirit. And Paul said, well, what were you baptized into? They said, into John's baptism. Now listen to what Paul said. He said, well, okay, that's good. But John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus. Now, look at this, okay? On hearing this, everybody say hearing this. Hearing when they heard that, it says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. People are making the new birth something that is so religious. Listen to what I'm saying. It's so important. If, if people don't get this, it really can cause many to go to hell that don't have to. You being born again, you have to be to get into heaven, but it is not signing some kind of a church membership card. It's not going to a particular church, and it's not, you know, reciting some kind of a special prayer. It is a spiritual thing that happens to you. It is the Holy Spirit moving into you and you being born of God. These men right here did not repeat some fancy prayer. They didn't have to get on their knees. They didn't have to go to church next Sunday. They didn't have to do this, this, and this, any works, any religion. On hearing that, 
alone, they were baptized into Jesus. They were born again right there. We have to depend on God by his spirit to convict people and open people up to salvation. It's a work of the Holy Spirit that people are born again. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying tonight? This, actually, what I'm sharing is very important. This is the first baptism. And listen, after they accepted the Lord, after they were born again, the Bible says that Paul placed his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They're about 12 men in all. So first, Paul just simply taught them, hey, look, you were baptized into John's baptism, but he was telling you to believe in Jesus. And upon hearing that, they were born again right there. What does it mean to be born again? It means the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. There's a new birth. There's different phrases in the Bible. The candle of the Lord is lit. The seed of God goes in us. There's something that happens where there's a circumcision of the heart. It's something that only God can do. It's a new birth. Now, after that experience, Paul discerned, there's no doubt in my mind, he knew that these men had faith and that they were born again. So Paul took the logical next step and said, I tell you what, you've been baptized into Christ now. Did you know there's a baptism in the Holy Ghost? Let me lay hands and pray over you. And so Paul goes to each one of them, lays his hands on them, and when he does, what does it say? The Holy Spirit came upon them, like we talked about last week, a clothing of power. They were baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. There's so many stories I could tell. I don't have time, but in, in times of revival, the Holy Spirit is moving so powerfully, and that's why you hear so many stories down through the ages, you, for yourself, I encourage you to study pastor revivals. Look them up, and, and don't go by denominational books that try to take all the stuff out they don't like in the story. Okay, go find the right writings, but you're going to find that the Holy Spirit becomes so powerful in a geographic location that people would collapse under the power or they would just fall on their face and they were repenting. But here's what's happening. They were truly, truly being born of God and repenting and getting things right with God. That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural thing. And I'll tell one quick story about this that Lyndall Cooley told not long ago. He said that, you know, they were, they were like around 4 million people that came through that Brownsville revival. So, I mean, there's a lot of, how many knows there's a lot of stories that go along with that? I have my story and my encounter with God. Well, there was this, Linda was in this place and this sweet, precious elderly woman came up to him and said, I need to tell you about what happened to me at Brownsville. And he said, okay. And she said, well, there's the early days of revival before there were big lines and, and overflow crowds. She said, I, I heard about the move of God I, and somebody told me I need to go. I came in and I got you know, the church bulletin and she said, I went up toward the front. I sat down, I was reading the bulletin. And she said, you guys begin to worship the Lord. Now, she had come from like a, if I'm not mistaken, I think she said it was like a Presbyterian church. This is a church, you know, maybe more traditional. And she was there just kind of looking at the bulletin. People began to worship. She said, next thing she knows, she's under the pew. She doesn't know how she fell. She doesn't know, she just kind of opened her eyes and she's under the pew. And she said she was out, and she realized that she was out under the power of God 
for hours. And she didn't even realize it. And, and Lyndall, she tells that story, and Lyndall said, well, what, what was the result of this? And she said, when I went back home, she said, I felt so close to the Lord. She said, before I would pray because I had to. She said, now, she said, I love to pray. She said, I feel the Lord's nearness, I, 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 his fellowship. And, and I'll tell you what happened, in my humble opinion, I believe probably she was just religious, but there she moved from just being religious to truly having a new birth and an encounter with the living God is what happened, in my opinion. So there's something about being born of God, and that is the baptism into the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. So the 1 Corinthians 12, 12, for even as the body is one, yet has many members, all the members of the body, though we are many, are one body. So also in Christ, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, we're all, all made to drink of one spirit. Okay, so the next baptism is a baptism in water. You accept the Lord, you're baptized into the body of Christ, and now there's water immersion. Well, water immersion, I, I wish I had more time because this is like a whole sermon I could do on this, and I have done that with you guys. There's a lot more to this than what a lot of places realize. A lot more. A lot of what is taught is just traditions of men, it's pet doctrines, etc. They downplay it, but it's just simply you've accepted the Lord, Jesus did it, you do it, it's a public acknowledgement of your faith. I'm not downplaying any of that. I believe that it is a public acknowledgement of your faith. I believe it is all of those things. And then about you know, 10, 15 more things that they don't realize. There's, there is a spiritual cleansing that's going on. I believe what you're doing communicates in the spirit realm. And not only that, but we've, we've seen people literally be healed and delivered of things in the baptismal. I do not believe it is biblical to say it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience because there's nowhere in the Bible that says that or even implies that. It seems to be something that helps consecrate your life unto God. And people that have been water-immersed I remember during the, the revivals of times past, one pastor said this. He said, you know, he said that we had all these people get saved. And he said the ones that were water immersed, he said they seemed to be more free and more stable than the ones that weren't. The ones that didn't seem to struggle. See, there's something there. There's a lot of stories I could tell, but there have been many people that have been specifically physically mentally emotionally healed of things in the baptismal and there have been people that have been delivered from demonic bondages in the baptism it's a very powerful thing but just like what i talked about with being born again if you just make it a religious dead ritual with no power then no it's not going to be that to you but if you realize the power in it that the holy ghost is in that water this is not some dead religious ritual you're being consecrated unto god you're dying to all this old stuff the power of hell is being broken off your life and you're coming into a new life in christ when you realize that it's a powerful thing and how many times in times of revival have we seen people get hit by the power and have to be kind of carried out of the water it's awesome all right, so the third baptism, and I love this. This is kind of dovetailing from last week, but the baptism into the Holy Spirit by Jesus. 
Matthew 3.11. So we know the first baptism, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ, into his body. We're born again. The second is a baptism in water. There's a cleansing. It's, it's powerful. The third baptism is where Jesus baptizes you in his, the Holy Ghost and fire. In Matthew 3.11, John said, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. I'm not fit to remove his sandals. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. He will gather his weed into the barn and burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Jesus is the great baptizer in the Holy Ghost and with fire. Christianity is not supposed to be some dead, dry religion. It's supposed to be something where there's power. And I love what the Apostle Paul said. He said, the kingdom of God is not talk, but it's power. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But Jesus made it very clear. These signs will follow them that believe. In my name, you will speak in new tongues. How many of you guys speak in new tongues tonight? He said, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's power. And you will drive out demons. And then he talked about supernatural protection. And that even happened in Paul's life. He said, if a snake bites you, you'll be supernaturally protected. Paul was on the Isle of Malta. A poisonous snake bit into him. He shook it off in the fire. And the people were so amazed that he didn't swell up and drop dead. That they took him to their leader and there was a great revival broke out there. Healings. It was awesome. But anyway, this is power. We need the baptism in the Holy Ghost. We need to be clothed with power from on high. I know when God began to really anoint my life and come upon my life with power, everything changed. I was a different person. God began to burn out of my life all the junk. I talked about it last week. But the Holy Ghost, the Lord baptizes us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And I believe that's what happened to me at Brownsville. Um, I believe I was baptized in fire, revival fire. And I do not believe that it is biblical that that's just a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I believe that there are many fresh anointings being filled fresh, baptized in fire fresh. We need it. We need a fresh move of God. And I know for me personally, just here recently, when I went to a conference in Pensacola, I believe there was a whole nother fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire that came into my life. If you were there and saw it, you would agree. So this is not a once-in-a-lifetime thing either. All right. So now moving beyond three baptisms, we're moving into the gifts. There's three sets of gifts that are mentioned. There's the gifts, which I like to call the gifts of the Father. There's the gifts of the Son and the gifts of the Spirit. So I'm going to start with the gifts of the Father. When we get born again, that's baptized into the body of Christ. There's a new birth. I believe that the Father, now that his Holy Spirit has come to live in us, that's like the heaven's DNA has come into us. I believe the Father begins to drop some gifts into our lives for us to be useful to his kingdom. And so here's some of these gifts in Romans 12, starting with verse 6. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, each one of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, then prophesy in proportion to your faith. 
But look at these lists here. Prophecy is the one that kind of goes through all of them. But look at this. If serving. Some people have a gift of being such a servant in the body. They're the ones that come before. They're the ones that stay after. They help clean and set up and tear down and they fix things. They're just servants. It's a gift. Another one is he who teaches in his teaching. So there's some that teach and i'm not talking about the fivefold office so i'm talking about in the local body there's people that have a heart to teach children to teach different classes and they're, they're just great teachers it's a gift and you know it's interesting because i know i i've used this example before but um i tell you i know not everybody may know zach's dad wally but you know he was a teacher right for many years okay all i know is that me being around him, he's got to be the sweetest guy you ever meet, okay? But he's, he's one of the best teachers. He was trying to teach us about different things. We were out on the gun range. He just has a way about him to help you understand something, and he's so sweet about it. It's a gift. I'm telling you, it's a gift. So some people have the gift of teaching. Another one, verse 8, exhortation. Exhort means to encourage to encourage other people how many knows that we need encouragers there are people in the body of christ that just have a gift of encouraging then another one is giving he who gives with liberality so there is something about being a giver there's certain people all of us are called to be tithers and givers i understand that but there's certain people in the body that there's like a special grace on them to be really big givers and it's a great blessing to different churches and ministries then another one is is leadership or here really it's like administration is what it's talking about how many knows that some people just have a gift from god to administrate organize they can put things together and the pastor knows these people and whenever there's going to be a social they're like hey why don't you organize that right there and, and they do an amazing job. It's a gift. And then another one is <clears throat> uh, showing mercy. <laughs> this, is, this is a special gift in the body of Christ because when everybody else has gotten sick of certain things and certain people, there's this one person that has the gift of mercy that's still going to extend mercy more so than anybody else. And he said, let love be without hypocrisy, hate what's evil, cling to what's good. I believe that these gifts come into our lives when we're born again. And, God, and I encourage you to think about this tonight. What gifts do you have from your heavenly father? Because I want to be one that is faithful in all the giftings that God's put in my life to use them. All right, the next set of gifts is the gifts of the Holy Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians 12. We're pretty familiar with these gifts. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, once we're baptized in the Holy Ghost and with fire, there's gifts of the Spirit that will begin to be in operation. Paul said this in regards to the gifts of the Spirit. He said, I pray to be used in all of these. Now, usually when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're going to begin to be used in one or two of these gifts. But if you'll be faithful, I believe that God may give you new gifts to operate in. 
There's the gifts of the Spirit, I believe, all of them can be in operation, but God wants to see us be faithful with the ones we have. So there are three sets of three. How many knows I'm dealing with threes tonight? So the first three of the gifts of the Spirit are the vocal gifts, gifts of tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. This is too deep of a subject for me to rabbit trail along, but when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's a prayer language that we have, and that's just something that you have. But what it's talking about here is the gift of giving a message in tongues to the church, a corporate thing. And when somebody has that gift and they give that gift out, there'll be a time when there's a beginning and an end. It's a message in tongues, but it requires interpretation. And some have the gift of interpretation. My personal opinion is the gift of interpretation is not just limited to interpreting tongues, but how many knows that there's been people in the Bible that can interpret dreams? So there's a gift of interpretation. Then there's a gift of prophecy. Prophecy is inspired speech. It's not just predicting the future like a lot of people think. That's part of it, and that can certainly be there. But prophecy is something that is where God speaks through a person. And somebody that really is prophesying, um, it, may, it usually is really going to encourage and build up people. But also, it can deal with sin in the camp too. So you've got gifts of tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. Now we get into revelation gifts. The three revelation gifts are words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Words of knowledge is where God gives supernatural information that you should not have. There, words of knowledge is used many times in connection to healing. Somebody, this happens all the time, but somebody will say, there's somebody here that has this wrong with you and God's healing it, and sure enough, they're healed. But words of knowledge are not limited to that. I remember in the Brownsville revival that one time Brother Steve said, there's somebody here, it's a military man. The reason why I remember this is because the guy's name was Scott, and I knew it wasn't me because I wasn't in the military. But he said, there's a military man here named Scott, and you're tired of taking orders. And the Lord says to get down here and get right with it. The guy ran down there and got saved. So it was a word of knowledge, information that he should not have had. Then there's words of wisdom when you're needing to know what to do and the holy spirit gives a word of wisdom in discerning of spirits probably one of the more important gifts probably one of the gifts that is least in operation and probably the greatest um, misunderstood gift but the discerning of spirits this gift is a revelation gift with the ability to discern what's of god and what's not of god something's going on is this the holy spirit or is this demonic or is it just the person all right <clears throat> then you have the power gifts faith healing and the working of miracles the gift of faith is a supernatural charge of faith where you can believe for something that you normally couldn't believe for something you hear what I'm saying? There's times that you're wanting to pray for this person. Maybe this person is very ill or something very serious. And in your own self, you're thinking, oh, man. 
But the Holy Spirit supercharges and gives you supernatural faith to believe him. The gift of faith. Many times the gift of faith works with the working of miracles. Because it takes supernatural faith to see supernatural instantaneous miracles. And I've seen a lot of miracles, but I remember one time, um, just to give you an example, faith and working of miracles. Rodney Brown's brother Basil came to minister years ago, and he ministered for a friend, ministered for us. But there was a particular night that God was really using him with the, the gift of faith and working miracles. And I'll never forget because my wife had had a curvature of the spine. And it was enough to where it bothered her, but there was, there was like a crease right here, a crease in her side where the skin kind of came together because of the curvature of her back. And he told her to stand up against the wall. And of course, when she was straight, one hand would be shorter than the other because of the curvature. And so he prayed for her and her back instantaneously got straight. Her arms got perfectly straight. And when we got home, this crease was gone. That was a miracle. Okay, the gift of faith in the working of miracles. So the working of miracles was in the life of Jesus, not just with healings, but remember Jesus prayed or he spoke a blessing over fish and bread and it fed a lot of people and jesus in the in the realm of the gift of faith and the working of miracles walked upon water okay so it's not limited to just healing alone but miracles and then you have the gift of healing Somebody with the gift of healing just sees a lot of people healed that they pray for. But healing is not always instantaneous. Healing, sometimes you pray for somebody and then they're healed as they go over the next couple days or weeks. So these are the gifts of the Spirit, the three vocal, the three revelation, and the three power gifts, faith, healing, and miracles, okay? All right, then you have the gifts of the Son of God. Now, you guys know that Jesus is the head over the church. And Jesus has given gifts to the body of Christ for our edification. The Bible says that we can be brought to full maturity. Unity of the faith, every joint supply. So what are the gifts of Jesus to the church? It says in Ephesians 4.11 that he gave gifts it's in its apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So the fivefold ministry, the apostles are more pioneering, fathering, and building. Prophets are those that operate in a very high level of revelation. They'll expose what the enemy's doing. They'll give strategies of heaven. They'll expose sin in the camp. Of course, they'll prophesy, but it's a very high level of revelation. Evangelists. Evangelists are not people that go from church to church preaching to Christians. Let's just put that out there. Evangelists are people that are winning souls. <laughs> right? Well, people say evangelists so-and-so and they haven't won a soul in 10 years. They just go from church to church preaching to Christians. They need to change their title because they're not evangelists. Now, they may be a prophet or whatever. All right, so an evangelist is a soul winner and then the pastor... God gives pastors to churches to oversee, take care of the sheep. Teachers. Teachers love the word, line upon line, precept upon precept, 
and they really strengthen the body because of their teaching. So those are the gifts of the Son. So you have the gifts of the Father, the gifts of the Spirit of God, and the gifts of the Son. Is this making sense tonight? Another set of three. You've got a deep priestly cleansing, like a deep consecration. So once you accept the Lord as your Savior, you're born again, and you know the Lord begins to move in our lives, God is wanting to really consecrate us unto him. He's wanting to really purify us. That's why the Apostle Paul said in his writings to Timothy, he said, I pray that you be sanctified throughout your entire spirit, soul, and body to be kept pure and blameless till the coming of the Lord. So there is. There is a sanctification process that begins in our lives, and God's wanting to clean us up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. How many of you guys are more sanctified today than you were five or ten years ago? All right. So there's this process of God really purging and cleansing us. And there's three sacraments that I believe God uses to help in that process. One is the communion table. The communion table is so powerful. I can preach um, more than one sermon, and I have. I've got a series on the communion table. But the communion table, as we come together and take communion, what represents the body and blood of the Lord is going into our body and blood there is a deep consecration in that it is an awesome awesome powerful thing if god will help us get a revelation of how significant the communion table really is but again if it is just some dead dry religious thing to you and it's just something you just do because it's a religious ritual there's no power in it you've got to get revelation of what you're really truly doing and how awesome powerful it really is and in the communion table, there have been many testimonies of people healed of things. Many testimonies of people being delivered of things. If people really get focused on what they're doing, and they're not just slurping it down at some religious thing, if they'll really realize what they're doing by faith, bringing what represents Christ's body and blood into your life like that, I'm telling you, it's powerful. And I could tell many stories, but there have been several times that people have been healed. I know people that have been healed. In fact, I've been healed of things. There's been people multiple times healed here in church just through the communion table. But not only that, but deliverance of things. People have been set free from demonic bondage. The demons hate the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, demonic spirits hate it. And that's why many people are delivered from things when they take communion. All right. The power of water immersion. We already kind of touched on that. But God uses that to really deeply consecrate our lives. There's something about it. I don't have the scripture in front of me. But in the book of Hebrews, look up the scripture for yourself. It talks about how we're sprinkled with the blood and how our bodies are washed with pure water. There's something powerful about that. I know that a couple times a year, we have a time as a church to pray and fast, and we get things right with God. We make sure we forgive everybody. We really deal with sin. Just make sure everything's right. <clears throat> then we come together and have a deep consecration service. We kind of have a special time of taking communion together in a special way. My wife and I anoint everybody with oil, which I'm about to get to that. And pray over you. And then we have water immersion for those that want to. 
Of course, anybody that is a new believer, of course, they need to do that. But we say, hey, it's a way of deeply consecrating your life. So if you want to come and everybody shows up, everybody wants to be water immersed, which is awesome. But people tell me afterward, I hear it all the time, Pastor, that was so powerful, I feel so different. How many of y'all have said that to me? See? There's something awesome, powerful in it. And we come out of that time of prayer and fasting, really reverencing the communion table, being anointed with oil, water immersed, ready to go to a new level okay and another thing is not only water immersion but anointing with oil the bible says that uh, may that you know in james it says if any sick among you let him call upon the elders to anoint him with oil in the prayer of faith to bring healing but where does all of this come from it goes back to exodus 29 this is the pattern where god consecrated the priesthood to be able to go in and minister in his presence See, what Israel had in the natural, we have the fullness of it now, the reality of it in Christ, but Israel, there had to be this ram of ordination that Aaron and his sons, they ate of an offering, and they were being consecrated, and Moses had to put the blood on their, their right ear and thumb and toe, and there was a sprinkling of blood. They were being consecrated by the blood. Moses had to water immerse them, and Moses had to pour that oil on them. And then after that, they were consecrated and ready to be able to go in to minister before the Lord in his presence. See what I'm saying? So what was already established there is now brought over into the blood of the new covenant, the reality, the fullness of it in Christ. Then now we have the communion table, which is what everything in the Old Testament that they were eating of and, and they offered was pointing to Christ. You see, now we have the honor of having the fullness of it and the watery immersion, a deep priestly cleansing, and then the anointing with oil. So not only are we just anointed with oil being put on your head, but there is more to it. There is an anointing and an empowerment of the Holy Spirit that we have available to us. It's not some dead, dry, religious thing, but there is an empowerment to it. You guys got quiet. So anyway, three ways that God consecrates us. And then this is what I want to close with tonight. Another set of three, the outer court, holy place, holy of holies. But I want to deal with your personal prayer life and then close out with personal convictions because I feel that the Lord is saying some things to us in River of Life, which I'm about to get to. But let me, let me read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, listen to what Paul, Paul was dealing with the Corinthian church. They were a carnal church. They were a worldly church. They came out of a lot of sin. They had a lot of problems. And Paul was frustrated in having to deal with certain things in Corinth, okay? And he said to the Corinthians, brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual men. He wanted to, but as men of the flesh, as to infants in Christ. I had to give you milk to drink, not solid food. You were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able for you're still fleshly. So the Lord is wanting us to grow up in Christ and begin to die to our flesh and begin to get into a powerful personal prayer life. Okay? This is one of the things God's really used 
my wife and I in ministry, God's really used us a lot. And I, I need to probably go back over this some, but about teaching people how to pray. See, a lot of people, I had a, a young lady tell me one time, they came here for a time and God moved them on, but she told me, Pastor, she said, I'm so thankful for my time with you because she said, when I came to River of Life, she said, I honestly had no idea about having any type of a personal prayer life. She said, I mean, you would go to church, you might say a little prayer or something, but, but she said, I learned how to pray in River of Life. And she said, now I know how to pray the rest of my life. This is going to go with me. So your personal prayer life is the most important thing. But how many of you guys know that, that our, our flesh, our sin nature, does not crave the spiritual things? It doesn't crave. See, when the alarm clock goes off in the morning, your flesh says, hit snooze, go back to sleep. You're not getting up to pray. <laughs> right? Your flesh says, I do not want to fast. I want to eat. So your flesh is, is craving, and, and the flesh, the carnal nature, think about this for a moment. Adam and Eve, they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it went like into their flesh. There's something about our flesh. It's an Adamic nature that traveled down from Adam today to us that that's where your sinful nature is, is in your flesh. And your flesh does not crave the things of God, but we have to learn to put our flesh under. We have to learn to die to that flesh daily. Paul said, I die daily. We've got to learn to be crucified with Christ. And the greatest way to bring your flesh under on a daily basis is to have a personal prayer life. But as we begin to do this, I know I'm, I'm going to move quickly because I don't want to dwell too long on this, but I remember years ago, God really touched my life. You know my story. I got touched at Brownsville, came back. God began to really draw me into prayer. And I remember kind of how it started. There was a guy that God really used in my life, and I called him, and, and he was a he was funny, funny guy, very anointed man of God. But he told me, he said, well, you know, you learn a lot of things, and when you get my age, you forget a lot of things. But he said, let me tell you this, learn how to pray. And I was probably around 20 years old at the time when he told me that. I hadn't been saved long at all. Uh, this was probably 96 when, it, when we talked, and, and I, was, I accepted the Lord in January 95. So I was still young in many ways, especially young in the Lord. And I was so thankful to get that advice. So I began to pursue a life of prayer. That's a life of power. If you want to have a life of power and a life of victory and a life of the supernatural, learn how to pray but the way it started was I had a hunger to pray but I didn't really know how to pray and I remember I would put on like a little cd player or something and I'd be in this room trying to pray and it, it was just so boring I mean I was just kind of just hitting my head up against the wall what do I say what do I do you know I didn't know anything and so the Lord had to begin to teach me how to pray effectively and I began to learn about the power of the blood of Jesus and being washed and coming through the blood. And I began to learn about worshiping the Lord. And I began to learn about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And as I began to really reverence the blood of Jesus, obviously the communion table is an awesome way to do that. 
But as I began to really reverence being washed and covered in the blood of Jesus and coming through the blood, and I began to worship the Lord, and I began to welcome the Holy Spirit and get to know the Holy Spirit, my prayer life began to be awesome. And it went from being dead and dry, bumping your head up against the wall. What do I say? I've already said this 10 times. What do I do? You know, just boring to really being awesome and effective. But I say this in love, but I don't believe that, that Christians are ever really going to come into everything the Lord wants for us until we learn how to be a people of prayer. Uh, prayer is the way that you're going to see uh, the breakthroughs that you're believing for, victory. You know, so Jesus said about the church, he said, look, my house will be called a house of prayer. That should be a priority in churches. But a lot of times in most places, the devil has made sure that prayer is the last thing of importance. And so prayer in the church has got to be important, but in our own personal prayer life. So this isn't a sermon about prayer, so I'm going to move on for now. But there's something, if you'll follow me for a moment, when Israel came to the tabernacle, the tabernacle was given to Moses. And the Bible says this very clearly for those that have never studied this out. The tabernacle is a replica of heavenly things on earth. So it's not just something that God gave under like the law. It's more than that. This is something that God revealed that is in heaven that he gave through Moses on the earth and now is fulfilled in Christ. So when Israel came to the tabernacle, they had to come first to that outer court. You know as well as I do, the outer court stunk. It smelt like dead flesh. It was a place where there had to be like death. There had to be, if you will, metaphorically like a crucifixion. It's a place where the offerings took place. And it, it's, it's symbolic of being washed in the blood and being washed in the water. It's the outer court. It's a place of examining yourself. Have we really gotten things right? It's a place to come and say, Lord, show me, has there been sin in my life? I confess and repent of my sin. The washing of the water, the word of God, it's time to come through the blood. Is this making sense? And then you would go from that outer court to the holy place. And this is the place where you had the table of showbread, communion table. You had the menorah, which represents the Holy Spirit. You had the incense, which speaks of worship and prayer. And this is where you start going deeper. And then, of course, the Holy of Holies, where the glory was. So here's the pattern. We have to get past that outer court of our flesh. We've got to die to that outer court of our flesh. And you begin to move into that holy place where there's worship and prayer and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And as you keep that going, you begin to get past your own soul area of your human intellect and your human emotions and you begin to go deeper where you go into the Holy of Holies where it's spirit to spirit. Your spirit communing with the Holy Spirit. Is this making sense tonight? But we've got to learn this. We've got to learn to get past our own flesh. And even deeper than just our human emotions, our intellect. And we've got to learn to get in the spirit. 
You remember Paul or John said when he got the the book of Revelation on the Isle of Patmos, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And that's the place he got that divine revelation. So let me say it again. We've got to get past our own outer court of our flesh. We get up and we begin to seek the Lord. And then we get into worship. And in that place of worship, our flesh is dying out. Our human soul area, our intellect, our emotions, we're really worshiping the Lord. We're, we have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And then we move even beyond just our own humanity now. And we're getting to where it's spirit to spirit. Deep calling unto deep. The Holy Spirit is giving us revelation in our spirit. All right. It's an inward journey. And we'll, I'll say one more thing, get off this. So the priest, when they would go into the Holy of Holies once a year, it was, they came in with blood, they had to sprinkle blood, and then they came in with the incense, which represents worship and prayer. If you want to get in the glory, think about the pattern here at River of Life. That's where I got this from. What do we do? We take time to take communion together and get washed in the blood. It's applying the blood. Then what? Praise and worship, prayer and intercession, the incense unto God. Then what happens? We begin to move into the deep place of the glory. Is this making sense? All right, so the last couple things I want to talk about, and I'm going to close is this. To go deeper, I feel the Lord saying this, River of Life, and I hope that you can hear me. I feel the Lord saying that down through the years that God has taught us so many things and it's time now that we begin to really apply what we've been taught. Did everybody catch that? We've been taught how to pray. We've been taught about end time prophecy. We've been taught about so many things. Revival. We've been taught about the importance of the Hebrew roots. We've been taught about all these different things that God has taught us down through the years. It's time that we really make sure that we're applying what we've been taught in our lives it's time for river of life to begin to go deeper but god is saying that we've got to be established in present truth what we've been taught we've got to really apply it because we're about to go deeper now we're about to go into things we've been praying about we're about to get the breakthrough and cross the jordan but god wants you to make sure that you remember what you've been taught Remember what you've been taught in areas of spiritual warfare. That you begin to apply what you know in life. In a practical sense. Because God is about to increase his glory in river of life. The glory of God is about to increase to such a degree. It's going to take the frustrations out of things. It's going to produce health. There's going to be healing in the glory. And God's really going to begin to break things open that we've been praying about for a long time. We are literally at the threshold of this. And as we go into this, God wants us to really apply what we need to know or what we already have learned to apply it in our lives. And let me say this, and I close with this. There are outer court people. Y'all give me your best years. I close out. There's outer court people. These are people that have accepted Christ as their Savior. They've maybe been water baptized and that's it. They've never gone any deeper. 
And the outer court was the biggest area in the tabernacle. There's a lot of people there. They're still on the milk of the word. They've never really gone deep into spiritual things. They don't even understand them. They don't understand the gifts. They just dwell in a salvation experience and that is it. That's outer court people. Then you have holy place people. These are people that have been baptized in the Holy Ghost. They've been clothed with power and they know how to function in the, in the anointing and in the gifts. And these people that go into the holy place, they had to be consecrated by God to get in there. There was Levites that were out here in the outer court, but only the sons of Aaron that were really consecrated for this purpose could go in deeper. How many knows that God is calling us deeper, but you've got to be consecrated to go deeper? So now there's holy place people. These are people that are spirit-filled and function in the gifts. There's a realm of revelation there. But when you go from the outer court to the holy place, it's much smaller. There's fewer people in the body of Christ that have gone deeper. But then it doesn't stop there. There's also holy of holies people. These are a glory people. These are people that aren't just in the realm of the anointing and functioning in gifts, but they've gone into the deep place where the glory of God is. And only the high priest could go in there. So you have this large outer court. It's shrinking and shrinks again. The amount of people in the outer court is quite a bit compared to the one that could get. Is this making sense? So you start dwindling down. There's a lot of outer court people, but there's not a lot of glory people. And I want to be a glory person. And I believe that to a degree that we already are in some way. I know that God's really touched my life in revival. And in a practical sense, the way I see this is the outer court is the greater body, but then you have like spirit-filled. That's like the holy place. But then you have revival people, glory people. These are people that have really had an encounter with the glory of God. And there are things that you can get away with in the outer court that you cannot get away with in the glory. Y'all hear me? As we go deeper in God... And we begin to understand in our own personal lives, getting past our flesh, even our human soul, and getting in the spirit ourselves individually. But as a church, as we've moved beyond being an outer court, even a holy place, now moving into a holy of holies group, there are things that God will not tolerate in our lives. But that's a wonderful thing because I want God to cleanse me and change me. Amen? So I'm just telling you that there's godly convictions in the glory. If you want to go deep in the glory, how many want everything God has for you? Well, if you're going to go deep in the glory, let me tell you, the Lord expects us to stay away from spiritual darkness like the occult. Don't be going home and watching occult movies and stuff about witchcraft and garbage like that. You might have played around with some of this stuff in the past. It may have opened you up to some demonic things you need prayer about. But things that maybe you think you can get away with in the outer court, you're not going to be able to go into the Holy of Holies with it. I'm just telling you. Another thing is you better stay sexually pure. Anything that can cause lust, get it out of your life and keep it out. 
I don't care if it's made for children. That's one of the ways the devil has duped the masses is by putting stuff in children's shows. People are gullible enough to think, oh, it's made for kids, so. That don't mean anything. That's just the way Satan's packaged it so it got into you and your kids. Keep yourself sexually pure. Anything that can cause lust, any type of videos, movies, things on the internet, anything that's going to cause lust, get it out of your life and keep it out. Keep yourself sexually pure. Number three, do not defile your body. Drugs, alcohol, tobacco, anything that goes into the body and defiles, get it out. Not just that, but things like, the, I personally feel strongly about this, things like tattoos and piercings and people that cut, you know what I'm talking about? These things defile the body. It's not meant for our Christian bodies. Once you accept the Lord, you may have some of that stuff from your sinful past. God understands that. But he expects us when we accept him to purify our bodies and keep them pure. So get the stuff out of your life that defiles your body. Now how many times have we hear in past revivals, and I preached it many times myself, flush the drugs down the toilet, dump the alcohol down the drain, burn anything pornographic, anything occult get rid of it go through your home if there's videos if there's things in your life that you know deep down is not pleasing to the lord you need to get it out of your home and out of your life if you care about the glory and you want the glory in your home and you want the glory in your life now i'm going to tell you if you play with the glory for very long god's very merciful and he's patient but people that keep on sinning in the glory and they keep on Trust me, judgment will eventually come. But don't defile your body in any way. Number three, keep your word and have integrity. Be careful with your mouth. Don't gossip. Don't slander. If you promise God you'll do something, do it. If you promise people you'll do something, do it. Be somebody that's careful with your mouth. Because the Bible says God will give a, we will give an account before the Lord for every single word. Keep a pure mouth. Keep the foul language out. Coarse jokes. That stuff should grieve our spirit if we're Christians. If it don't, something's not right. How many guys, since you've been saved, can say, you know, hearing this foul language and stuff bothers you now? It didn't before. Yeah, see. If you're truly born of God, what bothers the Holy Ghost bothers you. Get rid of the ungodly friends. If you know that you've got relationships in your life that are dragging you down spiritually, whatever they are, whoever they are, you know those people are not good for you. You know they're trouble. You know that they're definitely not helping you uh, go deeper in Christ. They're a, kind of a hindrance. You need to get them out of your life. Amen? And finally, guard yourself from ungodly entertainment. That was something, you know, years ago when God touched my life at Brownsville, it was something the Holy Spirit really began to show me a lot of these things. But ungodly entertainment will hinder you spiritually. You're watching this filth, it affects you. 
And people are not going to be able to get into the deep place of the glory until they really surrender to Christ. So here's the thing. Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat fall to the ground and die, it remains a single seed. But we've got to fall to the ground and die. We've got to be crucified with Christ. As long as people are going to be stubborn and say, well, I want God, but I also want all these other things, eventually these other things will overtake you and you'll lose the Lord. If you really are a true believer and you really want the Lord, God wants our whole life or nothing at all. He wants everything. He wants us to inspect our homes and make sure things are not going to grieve him. He wants us to inspect our lives and repent of things. He wants us to be pure. And I believe River of Life, I, I believe by and large you guys know these things. You've been taught these things. To a degree, you are a glory people. But I feel it's important that you know this and be reminded of this because God's about to take us deeper. But in this glory that you're go about to go into, God is going to help deal with stubborn things. You've been frustrated about different things, but the glory of the Lord is going to cause struggles you've had to begin to disappear in the deep place of his glory. It's going to be a place of supernatural health and deliverance of things, struggles with sin, struggles with different things. You've been frustrated. You've prayed about it. God's going to help deal with that stuff in the glory. The Bible says about the tabernacle, God said, I will sanctify the tabernacle with my presence. I believe God is about to sanctify us and do a deep work in his glory. But that means we got to do our part to repent of everything, get everything out that needs to go. If you've got anything goes back to witchcraft paraphernalia, destroy it, get all that out, get all that junk out. And let's go after God with all of our hearts. Amen. All right, so Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the power of what you're doing. And Lord, I ask you tonight that we'll go deep in the glory like never before. Seal this word in our hearts in Jesus' name. And so we're gonna get in prayer in just a moment, pray for people. If you want prayer tonight, just remember what we opened up about. Let God really touch and fill you. And then